Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land, People, Story. I'm your host, Coro Tarod. I'm so glad that you could join me today. I'm coming to you from the heart of the Jezreel Valley in the Lower Galilee, where my wife and I live. This week's episode is about the beginnings. We're using a biblical metaphor, the genesis for this podcast. I will also be discussing the perfect storm of global events that all came together this past spring. The name of today's episode is Conversations. Now you may be asking, Coro, why the name Israel Mosaic? Well, let's take a closer look. We have all come to know that mosaics are a medium of artwork composed of many small pieces of stone or glass that make up a whole picture or image. Israel has many ceramic mosaics. Most are undiscovered throughout our entire country. Yet archaeologists are excavating them all the time. They're being unearthed, uncovered, and they're placed in the hands now of the Israel Antiquities Authorities. The late Francis Schaeffer once said on his documentary series entitled How Then Shall We Live? And I'm paraphrasing his words now. One could tell what a civilization was like and what values they had just by the very art that they were creating. Like a mosaic that is comprised of many little pieces to produce one image, Israel has many peoples to produce one nation. Israel is a land whose topography is like a mosaic, and it is as diverse as the people who live here. Let me give you some examples of the topography of Israel. It has desert wadis in the Negev, snow-capped mountain peaks of Mount Hermon. A few years ago, when I worked uh, in Tiberias, which is a middle school there, I had the opportunity to travel through a place called Ya'ar Schweiz, Swiss forest in English. I was driving really literally off the side of a mountain. And as I was driving, I would see the beautiful snow-capped Mount Hermon. It was astounding. It was so worth going on that route. Israel has deciduous and evergreen forest filled with pine, oak, cedar, and cypress trees. White sand beaches of Tel Aviv, rivers and streams. And the most famous one is the Jordan River. Before I came to Israel, I had this idea that the Jordan River was a deep and wide, roaring river. And when I got here, it was very shallow and a narrow river that when you went there uh, during the summertime, you could cross over it very easily. Israel borders the beautiful Mediterranean Sea the waterfalls of Banyas, the coral reefs of the Red Sea of Elat. It's one of the longest continuous coral reefs in the world. And the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on the surface of the earth, home to healing property minerals that are in the mud and the water. Just to give you an estimation of the size of Israel, Israel is the size of the state of New Jersey, yet it is as diverse topographically in nature as any place in the world. Israel is a mosaic of peoples. They are people from the four corners of the earth, almost from every continent. There are Jewish and Gentile peoples from many nations, peoples from Ethiopia, Morocco, Lebanon, Armenia, 
Circassia, Tunisia, Algeria, Turkey, and England, just to name a few. And I'll be talking about these many peoples in detail on future episodes. Israel is a mosaic of stories. Each person in Israel has a distinctive and descriptive story. Most families pass them down from generation to generation. In Hebrew, we say, Lador Vador, which means in English, from generation to generation. Mitch Album, the author of Tuesdays with Maury, once said, A story that is not told is quickly forgotten. Thousands came here through blood, sweat, and tears from famine-stricken countries. Many came from places of tremendous political unrest, religious persecution, and social traumatization. Others have walked hundreds of miles through desert-scorching sun and pitch-black nights. Some came crawling from the ashes of the Holocaust in Europe and North Africa to find refuge in a new nation. Others came from Arab-speaking lands, literally being forced out of those lands to come to Israel, all looking for a different life in a different space. Maybe you're thinking, Coral, what are you going to be speaking about in the upcoming episodes? First and foremost, I want to bring Israel to you. We all know that COVID has hindered uh, the travel of millions of lives globally, and so many people can't get to Israel right now, and maybe you have always wanted to walk and discover the land of Israel. I will do my best to paint verbal pictures so that you can imagine the land in a new way. Maybe you've been to Israel before. I want to bring you to places and hear from people and their stories that you may have never seen or known before. On this podcast, you're going to hear social commentary from everyday life, along with biblical history, the reading of the Hebrew scriptures and racial reconciliation as it pertains to Israel and the rest of the world. Lastly, you will hear from the people of Israel. I will share their lives with you, and I will also share my own personal mosaic. We can all agree that the world that we live in has changed to the point where it's almost unrecognizable. It's staggering, it's unreal to feel and to see what's happening all around us. Talking to people, you get the feeling and sense that the world they grew up in, worked and built their lives and families and communities in, have been transformed overnight and maybe to return never to what they used to be. The mass, the social distancing, the panic, the civil unrest, the racial divisions, the uncertainty, all point to a present reality of a sense of complete hopelessness. Yet lives here in Israel and lives across the world, I believe, are filled with the strong possibility of becoming something entirely new. It's in that spirit of new possibilities that I felt it was really time to start podcasting. Introducing or reintroducing us to Rabbi Hillel. I want to draw your attention to the words of Hillel the Elder, one of Israel's greatest and influential rabbis. He was a contemporary of two rabbis, Rabbi Shammai and Rabbi Yeshua ben David. To give you some time reference, Hillel was born in Babylon in 110 BC and he died in 10 AD. His words and wise sayings 
feel as if they've been taken from the pages of a modern political science textbook, yet they seem to ring louder now than when they first were uttered 2,000 years ago. They speak of soul-searching. They speak of having courage, the courage to face our true selves. This is what's needed now, in this moment. He is quoted with the saying, If not now, when? In Hebrew it is, Im lo akshav azmatai. If not me, who? Im lo ani azmi. My dear friend Avi, who is a fellow teacher at Fula Middle School, which I taught over the past year, explained to me in detail the meaning behind of this wise rabbi, Hillel, in a wonderful conversation that we had at school. And he said, Rabbi Hillel was saying that if I don't obey God's commandments in the present world, who will help me when it's too late when I get to the afterlife? What was the genesis of my podcast? Well, if you're looking at beginnings, it started in 2006. I stepped onto the campus of SUNY Farmingdale. Now we're going down memory lane. And I never imagined that a decade later, after 2006 to 2016, I would have been a continuing education teacher there to some of the most wonderful students that I've ever met. If it wasn't for my good friend, Professor Liu, the aviation professor and enthusiast who connected me to the right people at the right time in the right place, that dream would have never become a living reality. I had the utmost joy as a continuing education teacher, elder hostel program, every spring and every fall. I worked other jobs. I worked uh, for the YMCA, and I was a full-time home teacher. But nothing ignited the passion inside of me like being a continuing education teacher at SUNY Farmingdale. And I'm so excited that this fall, I'm going to start that process again. Developing biblical courses on my favorite subjects and your favorite subjects were so much fun. You all were at least 30 years older than me, but you kindly and gently took me under your wings and we learned from each other. Using a sports metaphor, it was like a serve and volley classroom of experiences that were really unimaginable. We broke matzah together at the Passover Seder in class. We visited each other's homes you attended my wife's art show and shared your lives with us. Our classroom was a mosaic of backgrounds. We had Roman Catholics, Protestants, Reformed and conservative Jewish souls. We always started the class, always, going in one particular direction. And somehow, we ended up taking a completely different trajectory, talking story together. I'll never forget the most powerful class that I experienced there was when Judith brought Alice as her guest. And Alice was in the Holocaust. We were transfixed from hearing her words. They gripped our souls. We were mesmerized by her experiences as a little girl. And we were able to see and hear and feel them in, that, in class that day. Sometime later, I brought my brother and sister to hear Alice in her apartment and hear her full story, we became like a family. 
In the courses we read from the passage of the Hebrew Scriptures and tie them to our busy lives, we discussed everything from geopolitical issues to watching the very Hebraic miniseries, Jesus of Nazareth, produced by Franco Zeffirelli. Remember watching the miniseries, guys? Abe, are you there? Mary? Anne? What struck me the most when you were watching the miniseries was not the all-star cast of actors and actresses played by Olivia Hussey to James Earl Jones to Rod Steiger and Michael York, but it was the looks on your faces when you were able to see and connect with the Jewishness of Jesus that was being portrayed there, depicted on screen. You saw him in an Israeli culture, surrounded by people, in Israeli settings, in Israeli homes, attending the synagogue and reading the Hebrew scriptures and seeing people dancing. I could go on and on and on, but it's 2020 and I'm here now in Israel. A perfect storm of events. Living in Israel, I get the chance to witness firsthand, and I'm so privileged to do so, the feelings and emotions of everyday Israelis. The entire gamut. I see it all. The fears, the joys, the agony, the anxiety, the compassion, and forever the hopes. My experience at the Fulham Middle School allowed me to see a diverse community. Just to give you some background, a place where I worked at a Fulham Middle School, which is a few miles up the road, is a consisting growing area of Russian and Ethiopian population. It's socially and economically disadvantaged. Many of its residents are hoping for a brighter and better tomorrow. And many of its residents have children that attended the school that I taught. Schools in Israel. Every school in Israel is different, just like all schools everywhere in the world. Yet Israel as a whole runs its schools in a way that is uniquely Israeli. What do I mean by that, Coral? Okay, let me try to explain. Israel as a whole is like one big kibbutz. Everyone, and I mean everyone, knows someone who knows someone else who knows someone else who knows you. It's a small country with a humongous networking system. Israeli children call their teachers by their first names. And this is unlike anything I had ever experienced in all my educational experiences in the United States. In America, as you know, you're called by your last name. Here in Israel, first name. That took me a while to get used to, but after a while, it was endearing. Lastly, Israeli teachers are like extended family members to their students who they teach. A perfect storm of events. That's the only way that I can describe the events that happened on March 12th in my life and that have continued on until this day. On March 12th, the school system in Israel came to an abrupt halt. Thousands of Israeli students who had been in the school system now had to be in their homes and taught through remote and distance learning online. COVID-19, otherwise known as coronavirus, invaded Israel. It had already invaded the entire world, but it had come very close here. And the educational system was faced with a new reality. This global pandemic that we had seen and read about and heard about was here. 
and there was angst and there was anxiety. What were we going to do? How is the Israeli government going to manage this? How is I, how is my wife, how are we going to live now with this unseen enemy around us and near us? And I'm telling you, those days that we experienced COVID in the early beginnings were harrowing. I can just explain the feelings for myself going on walks and just being around people and the looks and the, and the paranoia and the feelings that we experienced and that my wife experienced that were very harrowing and they're very sobering. For two months, it was remote and distance learning. Not only were they locked down, I was locked down. And I taught over Zoom and prepared lessons that way, a whole new experience after not really being trained, but having to do it off the cuff. On May 17th, two months later almost, after being home, doing teaching on the virtual world, teachers were all called back to the schools. It was in that moment that I experienced what the American media called the essential worker and the angst of going into a place of work and not knowing, was I going to touch COVID? Was I going near it? Did I have it? Did someone else have it? All those feelings of angst and anxiety were real. We returned to events, speaking of we, the teachers, that we could never forget. Events that would forever change the way we lived, the way we thought. We were battling to social distance along with the challenges of social unrest that came from the United States as a result of George Floyd's death, a life that was taken away from him. The week of May 24th was a truth moment for me. It wasn't just a truth moment for me, but for the entire teaching staff, administration, and the whole student body. Unlike the schools that were closed at this time in America, Israeli schools were reopening. The teachers at my school had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to engage in meaningful conversations up close and in person about the devastating tragedy that was beyond comprehension in Minneapolis. I had real questions inside my heart that I wanted answered that week at school. Questions that I just could not run away from. Questions that were staring me in the face. There was a part of me that was very reluctant to find out what everybody was really feeling or even thought about what had transpired that week. The anticipation and angst of the moment was almost too much to bear. I was familiar with the saying, adversity doesn't build character, it reveals it. Yet, was I physically and emotionally ready to see that in full display at my school after what had transpired, after what had incurred? What did the teachers and students feel about what happened in America that week? How was I going to confront the tough issues? How would they respond in conversation to the events that we all had witnessed on television and social media? Those questions not only had the chance to be answered that week, they were answered that week. When I got to school, I spoke with students and staff from all different backgrounds, from different countries of origin, and all of them felt the same way, which I found unbelievable and astounding. They had a sense of deep feeling, deep pathos, and deep compassion. The staff at the school were comprised of many nationalities around the world. 
Iran, Ethiopia, Armenia, Iraq, Arab Israelis, Israelis from European descent, and Tunisia. The days of the week of the 24th were unlike any other week I'd ever experienced in any setting, school or anywhere else. The hallways that were once filled in a place defined by spontaneity and energy were now subdued, somber, and morose. The people of Israel are intimately acquainted with pain. Each member of this society has had someone in their family who knows someone who have been a victim of war or sickness. What I saw at school that week, I will never forget. I saw people experiencing pain as if it happened to a member of their own family. It was so tangible, it was so real, that it literally reached out and grabbed me in school that week. Each student that I had the chance to speak with in my classes shared their own personal feelings of sorrow and deep, deep pain. There is a saying in the Jewish culture that says, he who saves one life saves the entire world. The students and the staff are feeling that statement, but I have to say they were feeling it in the reverse order. He who takes one life takes the life of the entire world. One of my Ethiopian students came up to me and showed me a picture of George Floyd and his daughter on Instagram. I can remember that moment like it was the other day. I told him that I had experienced tears welling over in my eyes over that situation. Another conscientious student told me she was unable to do schoolwork during an English lesson due to the events of that week. The protest that had gone on in America found their way to the streets of Tel Aviv. Peoples of all nationalities in Tel Aviv were standing peacefully against social injustice and were united together. I just want to give a little background information, and I'm going to be doing some more in, in the next week or so of a podcast. But the people from Ethiopia represent a very important piece of Israel's mosaic. The Ethiopian people who live in Israel today are an ancient tribal people who trace their roots to the tribe of Dan. And their plight to the Promised Land was documented in Operation Moses, a mission that saw 8,000 Ethiopians rescued from war-torn Sudan and famine-ridden Sudan. They walked by foot, reaching the Promised Land, hoping for a better place filled with new promises, new hopes. There was also Operation Solomon, a covert operation in 1991, consisting of 35 aircraft that successfully rescued 14,000 plus Ethiopians into Israel. The Ethiopian community has always struggled and is struggling to deal with issues of racial equality and economic hardships. And I feel that they are dealing with these two issues more than any other community that I have witnessed here in Israel. The George Floyd tragedy that had been viewed by people around the world hit them like the sudden force of a desert sandstorm. They identified deeply with the man they had seen on the news and saw a man that looked like their fathers, their brothers, and their uncles. 
The students at a Fuller Middle School were trying their hardest to see any positives that they could take out, that they could glean from what they had seen on television and social media from the week's events. One example that stands out above all the other examples was the beautiful art design that my student Shalev of Ethiopian heritage, who was a seventh grader, drew of George Floyd that week after he died. It was so sensitively done, so sensitively created. I can still see uh, the eyes and just how he captured George Floyd. It stood as a sign of hope. It stood as a sign of new beginnings. It stood as a sign of recognition from the oncoming tidal waves of trauma and pain. I had lived 100 miles from 9-11. I felt the trauma of the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion, but this was unlike anything that I'd ever experienced. This coronavirus pandemic was a different level. It caught us all by surprise, and it leaves us grasping to make sense of our world. The return to school for me was a return to conversations and the return to the challenge of COVID-19. Conversations that I had witnessed, that I had seen, that I had heard between Arab-Israeli teachers and Jewish teachers. Students from every background engaging and speaking with teachers. Teachers and students sharing from their hearts in ways that they had not done before, and people were being heard. If there's one word that define that moment, or the moment that we're in now, I would have to say it's the word listening. Listening allowed us the ability to hear what was deep inside of our hearts and minds. And we all learned from those conversations. And we learned about the values of life and sharing each other's pain. And it all stemmed from listening. I want to share with you some final thoughts. The words from the tongue of the prophet Moses that are preserved in scripture provide us with hope. And Moses has written down in Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, land, people, story, as we unearth the many peoples of Israel who have lived here for centuries and their stories are waiting to be told. Thank you.